Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. Hebrews 12.5 And have you forgotten the exhortation which he speaks with you as with sons, as the Lord speaks with you as sons? My sons, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor faint while being corrected by him. Okay. When we've been hurt by abusive parenting, especially, or abusive authority, then we take on all kinds of things to to um, be independent. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Who do you think you are telling me this? I'm not going to do what you say. Or fear, looking for somebody who will take care of you. Okay? Get that? And the enemy is doing all that so that you will despise and not receive the correction of the Lord. And you'll not be able to be corrected by him. Let me see what it says in um, the Passion Translation. Have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He said, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. I'm going to read the rest of his out of this. This is the the Passion Translation. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love for you. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for if he's doing what any loving father does for his children, for who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? We should all welcome God's discipline as the validation of our sonship, for if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves that we are strangers and not sons. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Well, this is really good. Our parents corrected us for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to him, but God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share in his holiness. Now, all discipline seems to be more painful than pleasure at the time, yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. So be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship and strengthen your weak knees. For as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. In every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition. Swift run towards holiness for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Okay, so we're going to stop it. Wow. Did you guys just get all that? Think if you didn't have those things that you were supposed to have in godly parenting. Right? So I really feel like we need to look over this. We may not get to the love of money one. I think God, I was asking the Lord, show me in scripture. Cause you guys know, I don't, I know it's in there. I just don't know where it's at. And I read all these different translations 
So it's like, Lord, you're going to have to show me what it is you want me to get at tonight. Because when we're on the retreat, you just flow in the Holy Spirit and you just, and he just goes after stuff. But then when I want to teach it, it's like, well, show me exactly what it is by your word. And I just wasn't, I didn't know which way to go. And then I get up here and boom, right away, look this up. Yay. All right. So let's go back to this. And, um, let's start with 12, five Hebrews 12, five. The whole thing is good, but we just don't have time to preach the whole thing. Have you forgotten the Lord's encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He said, my child, don't underestimate the, don't underestimate the value of discipline and training by the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you or get discouraged when he has to correct you. All right. So first, let's really understand this. When you are born again and God's spirit comes inside of you, one thing that has to happen is divine correction, conviction and correction by Holy Spirit in your life. And if you don't have that, then there's nothing to reveal that you're really his son or his daughter. So people who keep sinning and sinning and sinning and do not change after they think they are born again are more than likely not born again. Amen? So the enemy knowing that the Lord is going to train us up He's going to, in many people's lives, make it so they get no godly correction, right? He's going to make sure the father's not even there. He's going to make sure the father's abusive or alcoholic or drug addict or, or angry all the time or has some demonic issue. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Or doesn't respond at all. So, so then when you take a scripture like this, which is... is Revealed in the scripture that a father, a natural father, doesn't he have to be a saved father? A natural father who's not demonized is going to correct you, is going to discipline you, and you're going to respect them for it, right? How many know in the world we're living in today and the culture we're living in and many of your lives, you didn't have any of that. So what do you do with the scripture like this? Well, well, the truth is God's going to have to send you to a ministry where he can break through to you to bring discipline and correction for your own good. And if you did embrace godly correction and you didn't get prideful and you didn't get an independent spirit and you didn't get rebellious, then it's going to be less difficult for you to be corrected and convicted by the Holy Spirit or just through teaching and, and, and more than likely may never even have to have a healing of a broken place there, amen? May never have to have um, someone really uh, almost parent you in a sense um, in the things of God so that this stuff can break through, amen? And how cool is God that he'll make sure there's ministers to help everybody wherever they're at, amen? And if you stop and look at your life right now and the others watching and those who've been to this ministry and you've seen the Lord have to do some godly correction and parenting that seemed hard like this talks about, right? 
Many of you would probably say, you know, I did, not everyone, but many of you would probably say, I didn't have that kind of respect to my father. I didn't have that kind of trust in him. I didn't have that kind of discipline. Am I right? Okay, so right off we can see looking at this scripture. And look how the world is today. So what is the enemy doing? He is making sure that there is a root of bitterness, deep bitterness planted in the people alive today. Now, if we go back through things we're dealing with in our nation right now um, with racism, how many know with the fathers being pulled away from their own children and people being sold and treated like in slavery, that this whole idea of the right kind of correction was completely gone, right? And replaced with what? A slave owner who was brutal, had no, no business to have that kind of authority, and would completely make you hate the concept of master. Am I right? And so God says the church has to have the answers for this. So what would be the root almost an, that's going to be passed on in generation after generation if that happened in your line of heritage? Bitterness. Bitterness and fear of authority. Bitterness and fear of, of correction. Bitterness and fear and a misunderstanding of God. And I'm not saying it's not only in the in people whose ancestry goes back to African-American slaves. It's Satan's good, guys, at being evil, putting this all over the place. He has all different ways to abuse generation after generation, right? But he does some things in a complete um, uh, whole people group to stir that kind of anger and bitterness. Like we said, bitterness is blaming God. Why? Because all of a sudden, I don't understand how God could do that. I can't understand how God could be a good father. I don't understand why I'm always in trouble. I don't understand, well, if he made me like this, then what does he expect? Or, you know, if he put me here, if he didn't give me this, if he didn't do that, right? With no understanding of the kingdom of God, no understanding of the faithfulness of God, no understanding of how really super good he is. Amen? So there's going to be this root of bitterness. Now, let me tell you, the root of bitterness is connected, according to this scripture, right, with not having godly discipline by somebody who cared about you. That's going to be the biggest. There's other things that can make you bitter, but that's going to be probably more than likely the first place it's planted in you. Why? Because your parents are going to be the first authority figure in your life. Amen? So... We just want to do the whole teaching. What do you do? You forgive the parent, mother or father or both or grandparent, grandfather. You forgive the authority figures who did not discipline you for your own good. Led by the Holy Spirit or led by a natural, their natural person. But if they were led by a demonic spirit, it damaged you. And it brought what? Fear and bitterness. And why did you let this happen? Why did you put me in that family? Why did you put me in this place? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Does everybody get it? The whole why question, when it's put in God's face, not like a sincere, 
Why did that happen, God? With ears to hear why it happened and knowing he's faithful and you missed it. Amen. This is a why that has an attitude on it that says, God, why did you let that happen? Why did you let that happen? Why did you make me like this? Why did you make me this gender? Why did you do this? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, there's a why, there's a reasoning together with the Lord. I mean, I do it all the time. Amen. And everybody's heard the story, but this is my story. So I'm just, this is the one I, when my daughter died in front of me, there was the decision to become bitter and blame God and ask why with the wrong attitude. Or there was a heartfelt decision to know that God is faithful. Even when I'm not to know that God is true to his word and to ask him, why did this happen with ears to hear what he had to say? And when I asked him that, I mean, while her body was still in the yard with the tree branch had just hit her and the, all the rescue workers were around her and everything. When I asked the Lord that he told me, he told me where the enemy set up the trap. You can go to the spiritual side of tragedy on our, um, our YouTube page and, and it's other places, but it's in our mentorship. It's on our YouTube page. But why do, why, um, why the, the spiritual side of tragedy? There is a spiritual side to tragedy. Amen. And that's how Satan sets things up. Not God. Amen. It's how God is faithful. So the Lord just showed me. He showed me, I tried to prevent this. I showed you this. This was in your heart. This is what we're dealing with. How many know that put me on the path to the ministry that helps a lot of people get free now. Amen. So I didn't get bitterness. Why? Because when I asked why I wasn't asking it, accusing God of doing something wrong. I asked God why, because I wanted to know what happened. And when he told me, he told me according to his word where he's faithful and I'm not. Amen. And there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Can everybody quit being so full of pride to think it's better that God missed it and you were right? Well, I know I had faith. Oh, so God didn't? Amen. Say with me. I am of the human race and I can miss it and I get forgiven and it's not the unforgivable sin, but my God is perfect. He never misses it. He's faithful even when I'm not. Amen. And it's time to look at where we were not and quit buying lies that he was not faithful. Amen. When we think he's not faithful, we become bitter. You might think you're not bitter, but you are. It's a root. Now look what it does. My Bible turns around. All right. If you get discouraged or depressed when you have to be corrected, how, how does God correct us? First, he tries to convict us of sin or of issues of a heart by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And we first get that little feeling like, um, I'm doing something wrong or there's no peace, right? It's like, what's happening? Why is this happening? Fear might try to come out. He doesn't bring fear. What the first way to know you're convicted 
of sin. The Holy Spirit is trying to convict you, which means conviction is just a word we use to say he's trying to show you where you're wrong so you can repent and turn around. Okay. So the first thing God does is he tries to show you where you are wrong so you can repent and turn around. Okay. Now, if you did not have godly parenting or you were discouraged or, or abused with, with parenting, usually parenting, but see, then Satan can pile that on, right? Then you can be in an abusive situation with the pastor. You can be in an abusive situation with the teacher. You can be in a, um, you see what I'm saying? Then your boyfriend, husband, whatever, every uh, government leaders, amen. And all of a sudden, all the authority you've ever seen that's supposed to be helping you, encouraging you, trying to um, make things right for you, hurt you. And that is going to damage you to a place to make it hard to know who God is and how he really is. Does that make sense? And that will lead to the root of bitterness. Okay. So it's not just to get, just getting saved doesn't get rid of the root of bitterness. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. You have to deal with and forgive the people who hurt you, who didn't know God or didn't know. They may have even known God, but they didn't know the deeper truths to know how to operate in the spirit. So we've talked about this before, but I'm just trying to make these teachings really clear. We're having more and more people listen and watch these days. Okay. So the reason you can forgive someone who even did something that they knew was wrong, amen? Like a, somebody being molested or somebody being slapped and beaten and somebody being cussed at, okay? You know that's wrong. You know they know they're doing it. So when you say, um, you, know, for, for, you know, I forgive them, but you don't. So I asked the Lord, and y'all heard this, there's a scripture where Jesus is on the cross Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I said to the Lord when I read that scripture, because I, I talked to him, I'm like, well, wait a minute, Jesus. I said, they knew what they were doing. They knew by the time they, you know, put those nails in your hand and, you know, stabbed you in the side, and although you already did, they knew when they crucified you, it meant you were going to die. So they knew they were killing you. When all the people yelled, crucify him, crucify him, they were saying, murder you, murder you, murder you. So how can you say, I, I always talk to the Lord with respect because he's right. Amen. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I know your word says you forget, you asked the father to forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. So I believe they didn't know what they were doing because you said so. But could you explain to me how they didn't know what they were doing when they're yelling, crucify you? Right? And of course, you, a lot of you heard what, I, what the Lord showed me. The Lord said they didn't understand what was going on in the spirit. They didn't know the demons involved stirring them to hate me. They didn't know the demons involved with those who, the, the religious leaders. They didn't understand what Satan was up to. They didn't understand what the father was up to. They did not understand, did they? Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. Amen? All right? Any parent who's cursed at you, abused you, hurt you, slapped you, anyone who's done anything, raped you, beat you, did horrible things to you, amen, even little horrible things, they didn't know what they were doing. Amen? 
Whether we want to like it or not, the people who had slaves did not know what they were doing. They didn't know the spirit behind it. Amen. And God requires forgiveness for those people who were in that season and that time. They have to forgive or they won't go to heaven. Amen. All right. Well, how about generations and generations later? We have to forgive the political leaders who are trying to destroy our nation right now. We have to forgive them. How can we do that? They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing in the natural or in the spiritual. Amen. <laughs> Truthfully, the natural, they may know too well what they're doing. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you get it? I can't forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I can hate evil which are the demons behind it and the spirits behind it and the principalities behind it. I can hate that the enemy is doing these things, but I cannot judge and hate God's, the people made in the image of God. Or I can't be forgiven. Amen? This is serious. This is what people need to be teaching right now. Amen? We need to know that we can honestly say. So is there anyone in here who can think of anyone that you absolutely cannot forgive because they did know what they were doing? They did understand the spiritual side. They did know what the devil was doing. They did know the generational curses. They did know uh, all the spiritual stuff. They did know what Christ paid for. They knew everything. They could see it clearly, and yet they still chose to do it. Can anybody say that about anybody who's hurt you? No, you can't. Well, you can't. Why'd you say yes? Who, who, who knew all that? Did they hurt me? Yeah. Who knew the spiritual side of what was happening when they hurt you? No. Okay. All right. Okay. Right. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So get this. I want everybody to get this because that's where bitterness is. Okay. So if you're still bitter about racism, I don't have to be in someone's shoes to help you get free. Amen. So get rid of the lie when you can't understand. I don't need to understand because the person who did it didn't understand according to God's word. Amen? Amen. Let's find this scripture. Luke, Luke 23, 33. And when they came on the place being called Skull, they crucified him and the criminals there, one on the right and one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And dividing his garments, they cast a lot. And the people stood watching, and the rulers with them scoffed, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If this one is the Christ, the elect of God, coming near, the soldiers mocked him, offering vinegar to him, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the inscription was written over him in Greek and Latin and Hebrew that says, This is the king of the Jews. One of the, one of the hanged criminals blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But answering, the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, for you are in the same judgment? And we indeed justly, for we receive things worthy of what, what we did. But this one did nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember we, me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Do you know what? That meant Jesus went to paradise that day. That's another whole teaching that makes a lot of people mad. I believe Jesus tasted hell on the cross when the Father turned his back from him. And Jesus cried out, Father, Father, um, where are thou? Why have you forsaken me? That is what hell is. 
It was, I think it was a three hour ordeal when nobody could see. It was so dark and all, all of sin went on him. I personally believe that's where he tasted hell. Because right after that, he says, Father, into your hands. No, he said, it is finished. Into your hands, I commend my spirit. And then he gave up his spirit. And then his spirit went directly to the veil and the temple and rend it, which meant that's now away to the father. Then he was put in the grave and he went to paradise. Where's paradise? Paradise is right by hell. It was Abraham's bosom. It was in the center of the earth. And he went there and that guy went there with him. You know, Jesus didn't take that guy to hell after that, right? And then if you get into scripture, what did he do? He went down and took the keys from death and the gray, triumphant victory, lined all the, to let all the captives free down there, preached the gospel to those in prison and did all those other things. When does everybody think he did all that? That's when he did it. And then when he came back out of the grave, out of the tomb, he says to Mary, don't touch me. I haven't yet gone to my father where he was going to go and show that he's rose from the dead. Amen. Now, it's not worth fighting over if you think he actually went and burned in hell for three days. I don't know where you think he did all the other stuff, but that's fine. And if you think he never went to hell, then how come the Bible says he went to the grave and Hades for us? Amen. It didn't say for him to, it didn't say how long he had to be separated from the father to qualify of paying for our sins. Amen. I'm just telling you, all these things are in scripture, all right? All these things he did are in scripture. They had to take some time. But he said right there to that guy, today, not three days from now, but today you'll be with me in paradise. And paradise was where, in Abraham's bosom, where the believers and the saints of old who could not yet get to into heaven waited until uh, this day happened. And then those who had never heard the gospel says he preached to them. But anyway, I wasn't going to say all that. But anyhow, you can go look it up. It's not worth fighting over as long as you know he died for your sins and paid the price for you. Amen? I have one man I told this years ago. He walked out so mad. I asked the Lord. I said, how did this happen? And that's what he told me. And then he showed me in the word. If, if you ask the Lord something and he can't show it to you in the word, don't believe that it was the Lord who told it to you. If you don't think you can be deceived, you already are deceived. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. But anyhow. All right. All right. So. Okay. So let's go back. Just so you, Jesus said, truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now look at this. Let's just finish. Luke 23, 44. It was about the sixth hour and darkness came over all the land until the ninth hour. Three hours of pure darkness. And the sun was darkened. Even the sun was darkened. The veil of the holy place was torn in the middle. That veil represented the separation of God from man. And at the end of those three hours, that veil was torn and crying out with the Lord, with a loud voice, Jesus said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And then he breathed out his spirit. And you can go read all 
four Gospels and get the entire full picture of how that happened and how every bit of that the Holy Spirit showed me is true. Amen? So anyway, but let's go back to the bitterness part because I just made a lot of people wonder. All right, where was that? Hebrews. Thank you, guys. Go find Hebrews on here. There it is. All right, Hebrews 12, 5. All right. Now get this. My sons, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, the correction of the Lord. Do not faint. In other words, do not give up on yourselves and do not give up on God when he's correcting you. Don't walk out and stay home and just watch and quit going to church. Let me say that. Don't walk out and just stay home and think it's okay that you're just watching people who love you having a church service and you're not there. You're actually, something's happened and you're scared of being corrected by the Lord and you have fainted and you need to ask him to heal you from this bitterness. Anyway, for whom the Lord loves, if he loves you, he disciplines you. And this one says whips every son whom he receives. Let's just call that he disciplines. Amen. Sometimes it feels like we're being whipped though, doesn't it? <laughs> Amen. So, so that's what we're at. How does he do that? I haven't studied this to see how he does that. I'm just going by personal experience here. I, I think for us, the discipline, I could look at the prodigal son story. What happened to prodigal son? He got to do what he wanted to do. And then all of a sudden he found himself without food, filthy, in a place he never thought he'd be. And to me, that would be discipline if God lets me run away and live like the world for a while and not get any divine protection in it. But the minute you receive that discipline and you repent and ask God to help you and to forgive you, go look at the story of the prodigal. You can run back and God hugs you he takes you right back into the family. He throws a big party and he gives you back all the authority that you were supposed to have. Amen? So what was the discipline? Let you do your own thing until you see what a mess it is. Amen? How many wish you wouldn't do it that way? <laughs> Just grab me. How <laughs> I many No. He would try to do it any other way, just like you would. The last thing you want is for your rebellious child to run out the door and go do their own thing until it's painful, right? God's the same way, better. He's, that's why he's comparing this to a good parenting, amen? So what would you do first? You'd sit down and warn him. Well, how does he warn us? How does he sit down and talk? He's got his word. He tells us what to do. He tells us why to do it. He also has ministers, right? He has teachers. He has pastors. He has all these people that he's anointed in your life to sit down and help you understand this, to then bring a godly correction. That needs to be adult style. I'm so, you know, when they call you into the office, I know in churches when they didn't understand my calling. And I wasn't outside of God's will, but they would call me in. And you'd feel like you were five years old, you know, come into my office. 
So it was like, it's like, just, could you just treat me like a grown-up human being and get out from under your covering doctrine, please? And quit acting like, you know, like, well, sit down. It's like, that's not godly. That's not a godly discipline, amen? To be treated like you're a child because they have authority in, in a church or anywhere else, especially when you're an adult, okay? Godly discipline is to say, let's talk this out. Let me show you some scripture. Let's see, is there, is there a place in your heart that needs some inner healing? Why do you think you're doing this? What can we do to work on this? Amen? Right? Now, God will sit down with you and reason it out with you. He'll really, if you have ears to hear, he'll show you where you missed it. If you really are led by the Spirit, he will bring you into places where you'll get godly uh, help. Godly counsel and godly discipline. How many people sit in churches where nobody ever seriously does anything outside of a social club? Amen? Well, that's not their fault that you're there. You're choosing to be there. You need to be where God wants you to be. And then he'll take care of it. Amen? But if you have lived a Christian life without any true Holy Spirit um, discipline and correction and you haven't had to sit down and listen to it and sit down and humble yourself and and really really see something changed in your heart then you're running around like you're illegitimate until you get tired of it same thing like a prodigal you're the prodigal going every which way all kinds of conferences and church meetings and this that and the other but you'll never stop and deal with what he wants to deal with how many know he doesn't forget until it's been under the blood then he forgets it when it's when he for, when you ask forgiveness and you really get forgiven he forgets it you can go to god and say lord remember that time ago no what are you talking about My blood covers that. That's when it becomes tormenting, when you let the enemy bring something up from your past that you have repented of. Amen? That's torment, okay? When you let the enemy talk to you, ever, every thought of the enemy is a tormenting thought. Every uh, thing he speaks or speaks in your thinking or whatever is torment. Does everybody get what torment is? Torment is the devil talking to you. That's what torment is. We're supposed to cast it down and not listen to him, not have conversation. Think about it. You're having conversation with the devil and you think it's going to turn out okay. <laughs> Amen. And you need to learn this stuff early and not wait till you've had so much conversation with the enemy that you no, no longer know if it's your thought or his thought. Amen? And you need to say what God says, no matter how much you've given into the lies, nothing changes till you repent of giving into the lies and begin to speak what God says. And I don't personally care if you have to say it a thousand times. You say it till the devil knows you mean it and you mean it and then you punish the enemy and he will bow his knee. He doesn't even try to bother with me for almost anything. And if he does, he maybe gets by with it for maybe one time and once in a while, slip two times in. But I'll promise you what, by the third time, I've punished him. I've sent him away and I've got him crying. I expect the devil to be afraid of me. I do. 
because I know who I am in Christ. Satan is not my corrector. God, now let me tell you what, if you keep sinning and you really, really, really uh, are completely in pure rebellion, the Bible says you get turned over to Satan. Doesn't it? Where is that scripture? And quit letting the devil tell you that's what's happened to you. <laughs> you wouldn't be sitting in here if you were completely turned over to Satan. And the devil's going to be the last one to tell you. Amen? Okay. The devil will not tell you. <laughs> the devil will not tell you if you've blasphemed because he already owns you. When you blaspheme the Holy Spirit for real, you never want anything to do with God again. You never want to think about him. You don't care what he has to say. And you totally will lose your sound mind. Like Judas. Amen? Don't let the devil lie to you and try to convince you you've blasphemed. What's he doing? He's hoping to make you nuts. He's trying to make you think there's no hope for you, and he's a liar. Why do you listen to the devil and not expect it to be tormenting? And can I just say, if you won't cast down imaginations, there's nothing anybody can do for you. God's given you his weapons of warfare. And you just need to repent for not using them and rise back up and start using them. I'll tell you something great about our God, his faithfulness. The minute we repent... He's right there. He's right there anyway. But the minute he re he's waiting for you to repent, he's waiting for you to repent. Okay, here we go. First Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 5.1. Everywhere it is heard that fornication is among you. Such fornication was not named among the heathen. So far as one to have his father's wife. This is in the church. So somebody is sleeping with their father's wife. I don't believe it's their mother. It must be a step. It must be a stepmother or a second wife or whatever. But somebody is now sleeping with their father's wife. And you're puffed up. You've not mourned that you did this deed, that he that did this deed might be taken from your midst. Basically, some church group is letting this person who is now sleeping with, married to, or something to his father's probably ex-wife is being treated like it's okay in the church. And, um, and um, the apostle Paul is upset that they're actually puffed up about this, which means they probably think, well, look how, look how tolerant we are. Look how forgiving we are. Look how this isn't any of our business. And he's saying, you should be mourning. You should be upset that this kind of, filthy thing came into your congregation that he would do this deed. He must be taken from your midst. Well, I'm not going to get into details, but we had a person who did something that was as horrific as this to their Christian wife by sleeping after being saved, after being healed. I'll just be honest. After being healed and delivered from AIDS, healed and delivered from a broken neck, and then to go to back to homosexuality once God healed him of AIDS 
and do that to their wife. And, and for the second time, and catch the AIDS back, and then think having a sob story was going to be okay with God. Well, guess what? When you're really led by the Holy Spirit, he knows how to do a divorce. And we all witnessed who was here, God, without not even thinking about or trying, gave a spiritual divorce to the couple where this man did such a filthy thing. And God has taken care of his wife, even though she's such an enabler, it's taken a lot to try to help her. Amen? How powerful is God? See, God is looking at his court. He's looking at his laws. He's looking at his way. And I hate to tell people, you can do whatever you want down here, but God's ways overrule man's ways. So there are going to be people standing before God, seeing that he sees them as adulterers, that he sees them as... He's going to say to them, away from me, you work of iniquity that's practicing sin and ancestral sin and sin you've had for a long time. I don't know you. And they're actually going to stand before the Lord thinking they're spiritual. Well, we'll just go to another church that will let us in. Well, good. Go for it. Amen? You better repent where God says to repent. You better see things the way God sees things. Amen? And you better take serious the things in the word of God. Repentance always brings forgiveness if it's sincere. It's not legalism. Legalism brings death. If you legalistically took some of the scriptures that say if a man marries, um, if a woman is divorced by her husband and then she marries another man, she's an adulteress in the eyes of God. The scriptures say that. So what happens if that happens? How many know in our culture that happens a lot? So what happens by a just God, a faithful God, if someone, someone's husband divorces them and then they go and marry someone else. This is another teaching. Can I tell you, it's real simple. Number one, you're allowed to divorce somebody who's unfaithful. So can I just say, if somebody divorces you until they sleep with somebody else, don't you dare even think of getting into another relationship because as far as God's concerned, you're still married. Oh man, put this on the radio. Let's have a good time with people writing me. Amen? God says you can divorce someone when they're unfaithful. But remember, God also says if you even look at another woman with lust, he considers you've already committing adultery with them. Why am I telling you this? Because it's not this black and white, easy to see thing. It's about the heart of a person. Okay, so let's say you know now, oh my gosh, I got into a marriage before the person I divorced got, was unfaithful. Does that make me an adulteress? Or you see what I'm saying? The truth is it does. But there's repentance. Sincere repentance. 
repentance of God. I, I didn't understand. God, I don't know. God, forgive me. God, please heal the marriage I'm in now. Now I see what I've passed on to my children. Now I see why this has been a mess. Now I see why I've been in marriage after marriage after marriage. Not me personally, but some people. I'm just saying, because when I preach like this, people take that little bit, say, did you know she's been married? I've only been married one time. Amen. But there are other people in this ministry who have been married before. And they were so afraid it was going to ruin their calling. Well, first of all, the person was unfaithful. Second of all, they waited. They knew that person was unfaithful. The person was trying to divorce them. God had them finally quit being a victim and come in agreement. I'm not going to be in a marriage with somebody who's unfaithful. Because biblically, we are not supposed to be in marriages with people who are unfaithful. Amen? Amen? He's not trying to torture us into terrible marriages. God doesn't even think two Christians would think like that, that they could be unfaithful. We're supposed to have security in being led of Holy Spirit. But a lot of people say they're Christian, don't know Holy Spirit at all. Amen? I know I'm saying all this, but I am. Amen? So let me just say, as you're wondering why sickness could be on you, why you could be losing your sound mind, you need to get all these things right between you and God. And let me just say this, don't blame the other person. Repentance has to do with you seeing where you missed it. Amen? You could have missed it just by not waiting long enough for that person to have found somebody else. You could have missed it just by um, thinking that you, um, you were the one who wanted out because you really had eyes on somebody else. Amen? It's time to deal with your stuff. Forgetting the past. Well, you can't forget the past where there's still sin screaming out there causing bitterness, where there's still rebellion because of the sin that you did against God, where Satan still has authority and tries to take your sound mind later on and ruins every relationship you have. Can I get an amen? Does everybody understand? See, God just has this great idea that he's God and he's powerful enough to heal any marriage if two people will work with him. Amen? So he's saying to the believer, don't give up until this happens. And once that happens, then I recognize that I'm not requiring you to stay in that. And if you decide to stay in that, you need to have a real long talk with God. You need to understand why you're staying in that. It needs not be for codependent reasons. It needs to be God gave you grace to stay in it. There's been real repentance on the other person's part. And you're going to really, really let God bring healing and deal with issues of the heart. Amen? I won't get into Our culture is so messed up that there's so much fornication before anybody gets married that God has already seen you as a whore. Or the other way around, if you're a guy, whatever they're called. Amen? Unfaithful. And so we have to go back and repent of all this mess. And honestly, it's the generations that opened up in our nation to all this perversion that has allowed this kind of perversion against our children. Amen. And then the perversion we now see trying to take over our nation. And until we go back and seriously deal with the perversion that we walked in and the perversion that we justified and the perversion that we tried to blame somebody else for, do you get what I'm saying? God is a God who wants us to repent and mean it not blame somebody else. 
And then there's forgiveness. Then there's wholeness. Then there's healing. Amen? It's not legalism where somebody's second, in their second marriage and they're pretty happy and they've given their lives to God now and things are going okay. And then they hear some preacher, because there was one who used to do this all the time on the radio, <coughs> and say, well, God doesn't recognize that marriage and you're in adultery and blah, 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 blah. And telling people to divorce the second spouse who hasn't been unfaithful to them and go back to the first spouse or they can't be. It's like, wait a minute, he's not legalistic. But he does care about a heart a heart that didn't listen to him, a heart that rebelled against him, a heart that opened up generational curses against your children and your grandchildren. He does care about all these kids and those kids and those kids and what happened when that person came into the family and all this mess that happens. Amen? He cares about the big, gigantic mess we make not listening to him and rebelling from him. Amen? But then he's a powerful God. What do you think the blood of Christ covers? It didn't just cover. It covers all these sins. The difference is I have to repent and really see where I rebelled against God for that blood to cover that sin. Amen? And then it's over. And then he can begin to heal you right where you're at now. He can begin to restore you right where you're at now. Is everybody kind of getting a pretty good idea that this wasn't God we should be bitter at, but we ourselves have rebelled against God and we ourselves have fallen into the plots of the enemy and we have ourselves have opened ourselves up to the torment. We've opened ourselves up to sickness. We've opened ourselves up to terrible relationships. We've opened ourselves up to poverty or whatever. Amen. And here we got this awesome Jesus Christ who hung on the cross for us, died for us, suffered for us, went to hell for us, rose from the dead for us, and is forever still praying for us. And so then when he tries by his spirit, by his word, by anointed men and women of God to discipline us, and that doesn't work, so then he lets us run away like the prodigal, hoping we'll come back. And if we do, his arms are wide open. Amen. How good is our God? How amazing is our God? He'll let somebody get right on their deathbed, how, but they missed out all their life. And they weren't able to show anybody the goodness of God. How faithful is God? Amen? But Satan has bought, he has lied and sold a bunch of lies in the church using nice people to preach false doctrine. Amen. I can tell this is going to be more than a one-day series. All right. So this scripture says, all right. Now he goes on. This is Paul speaking. For as being absent in the body, but being present in spirit, we're not even going to get to how deep this is. I've already judged the one who has worked out the things as if I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, you being gathered together with my spirit also, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. How many have ever been in one of those at church? Very few. What is the church missing about everything? What is God saying? Some people... Their correction is going to come in the way of a group of believers who have love in their hearts for that person, obedience to God, 
to say we have got to let we have got to quit enabling this person to do drugs. We have to quit enabling this person to be evil. We have to quit enabling this person to be an alcoholic. We have to quit enabling this person to jump around in fornication and pornography and all this stuff. We have got to quit enabling this person. And in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to, we are going to gather together. And, and Paul knew what was going on, so by his spirit, he was there. And that's a deep revelation. And how cool that we still have a long ways to go in the church. So rapture probably isn't tomorrow. Amen? <laughs> Gather together with our spirit also, with power of the Lord Jesus Christ. His actual power is in the place to do this work, not us. Amen? And with that power, we deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. This is pretty harsh punish. This is pretty harsh correction here, amen. Am I reading the word of God? Am I making this up? No. How many have ever seen anybody do this? No, because the church is walking in such immaturity that we don't even know how to go through the ways that God would have us to help people to not go to hell. And we just act like everybody's in heaven. Why would God have such a powerful thing to do in the life of someone who is so so destructive? and pervert it. Now remember, this is not for, this is an extreme perversion. This person is sleeping. This person has married or is sleeping with his father's wife and going to church and everybody's acting like it's okay. And Paul hears about it and sees it and says, look, gather together the mature people because we've got to turn this young man over to Satan. What does that mean? That means we're not praying for divine protection anymore. That means we're not going to help this person in any way, shape, or form until they face this thing. That means God is stepping away and Satan not only can have at them, but it's basically being commanded to have at them. And then what happens? I didn't know I was going to give you all some meat this night. They're delivered over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. They're living by their flesh, their lust, their addictions. The things with the flesh is in charge of their whole life. Their sexual addictions, their alcoholic addictions, their drug addictions, where their food addiction, anywhere where there is blatant, blatant sin and their flesh is in charge of their life, their, fl their flesh can now be destroyed. Here's the thing. The devil can destroy their flesh now. That could look like disease. That could look like horrible things happening to their bodies. Why? That their spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Why do bad things happen to some people? Not all people, but this is why some people go through some hard things and you can pray and pray all you want, but it's not going to stop it because they have got to get saved. And the way they're living, according to their flesh and given into the enemy, they are on their way to hell. And God is moving in divine, powerful, last ditch, so to speak, correction. Now, what... When you get on the, and we can think of somebody, we won't say who in this ministry who went through this way back. 
Don't you think when they finally died because of their drug, their addict, their drug addiction and all the rebellion and everything. And when they finally died, don't you think it was probably good that they were turned over to this and not enabled so that they saw Jesus when they died instead of landed in hell eternal. But if you think you can use these the scriptures because you're ticked off at somebody, I'm going to turn them over to Satan. You better watch out because <laughs> you're going to reap what you sowed. So you need some reverent fear of the Lord. How many know the church has a long way to go in growing up, at least in America, at least the church I know of, amen? Up and coming events. I'm telling you, up and coming events. Things will never be like they were. We have entered into the last days, the last of the last days. We've entered into a place where the church is going to operate the way the word of God says she's going to operate. Now, they were already doing this in the early church, but how I many know most of this stuff has just been thrown away? And so we have adultery in the church. We have pastors being unfaithful in the church. We have homosexuality in the church. We have so many different kinds of perversions and fornication. Let me tell you, people, young people, they're out there fornicating. Thing. It's fine. It's our culture. It isn't fine to God. If you don't wake up and listen, you might get turned over to Satan. So that your spirit gets saved. And... Mm, don't ever do anything like this. You have got to know this is God. And it's the last, last thing you can do to see somebody saved. I can't believe I'm preaching this meat. I can't even believe I'm preaching this meat. I'm knowing this meat. I can't believe I'm preaching it. Do you understand what I'm saying? These aren't things to take lightly. You have to have an unbelievable reverent fear of the Lord, a love for people, a desire. Think of it this way. Do you want that to be what happens to your child first or your grandchild first or to you first? No, we do almost anything to do anything to stop them from going in through anything painful. Amen. But if it came down to there's nothing else that's going to pull them out of this darkness and you know if they die in that sin, they're going to hell. Wouldn't you prefer that there was the maturity to have them repent before they die so that their spirit's saved. Sometimes people go through horrific things. Dementia, Alzheimer's, horrible diseases. And that's not for all of them, okay? Only God knows and those he reveals it to as you're praying but you are going to reap what you've sown. You have to repent. It would be better to lose your mind here, have to revert to like an infant and, and all these things so that your flesh is destroyed and your anger and so that you can get right with God. There was a situation, I'll just tell a situation. I had, a, I had a, someone I knew, an older person who had really bad um, Alzheimer's. And um, they lost everything. They lost, they didn't know who their family was. They lost all their money. They were actually very wealthy. They ended up in a, a nursing home. It's a big family fight. All this stuff happened. And this person before believed in Jesus Christ, but was mean, greedy, loved their money, um, held on to all their issues of their heart, wouldn't be sanctified at all. And then right before they died in that nursing home, Somebody walked in in our family and they were singing. He walks with me and he talks with me and he calls me their own. And their spirit 
was communing with God. And that's the only way we actually knew that that person was, went to heaven when they died. That's what these scriptures are about. I'll tell you another one. We had a person we loved. Everybody loved him in this church, very active. And he was such a drug addict that he acted like he was free. I don't know if he was ever free. I think he was on painkillers when he wasn't on heroin, when he wasn't on what. And he was one of those people who could pull it off. He could keep a job for a while. Everybody loved him. He was awesome, awesome. He had so much gifting and calling. And um, he wasn't the mean kind of drug addict, he, although I saw him like that a few times. Anyway, went through all this stuff. He would not quit. He would not quit. His wife finally left him because she thought she was marrying a Christian guy. Found out he was still doing this stuff. And, and all these things happened. And he just would not quit. He was taking a shower on his own in his house. He'd rather be all by himself without his wife or anything he could not let go of heroin. It's like a mistress. And he, his neck broke from an infection he got probably from a bad needle. He, he had a broken neck just standing up in the shower and became, you know, had to have surgery. All this kind of, I can't get to it. I'll never forget the prayer meeting we had and everybody praying and crying for him not to die in his sin. And then he went through all these things with nursing homes. And, and soon he was doing good. And soon as somebody started sneaking him some stuff in a bad nursing home, he started doing drugs again. He started drinking horrible, eating, drinking tons of sugar stuff and all. Would not get, and the doctor was like, you know what? His surgery was, was basically, it was a miracle. His surgery was so perfect, he should have been able to walk again. He should have had his life back. But he would not quit doing the drugs. Even after all that, he would not cooperate with physical therapy. He why all this mess was all there. And I walked into the nursing home one day and I, I misunderstood what I was seeing. I walked in and he was talking to the Lord and it was real. And I, I witnessed him by his spirit conversing with the Lord. I thought for sure he was being healed and delivered. I remember I came back to this church and said, there's a miracle happening. I just saw this. I just know this. It was just unbelievable. I, I never, it was just amazing to me. Guess what? I knew he was saved. But did he come out of it like I thought? No. He, he got to another nursing home where he was in a nursing home where he couldn't do drugs anymore. They wouldn't let him get him. But he died a horrible life. I mean, a horrible death. By the time it was said and done. But I know he went to heaven. He had to quit practicing sin. For him, it took a broken neck and a strict nursing home to not practice sin anymore. Sometimes we wonder, why is this happening? Sometimes that's what it takes for the person to quit practicing sin. Amen. This isn't for us to judge everybody. This isn't for us to know. Some people just don't have faith. Some people just don't know they're supposed to be healed. Some people don't know they have to deal with bitterness and tormenting spirits to keep their sound minds. So, do you see? Can y'all understand what I'm saying? You can't make a little book and say how this works. Amen. 
God says, who are you to judge another man's servant? For to his master, he will stand or he will fall. God says, I'll make him stand. Isn't God a faithful God that somebody may go through dementia or Alzheimer's because they won't deal with hurt places and, and um, the spirit of fear? What does it say? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. A spirit of fear will take your sound mind. It will cause you to hate. It'll cause you to be racist. It'll cause you to <clears throat> believe and get bitter. And you'll think you're hopeless and nobody will help you and poor little you and you have no power and you feel powerless. And then the devil takes your sound mind. It's a process. It's in the word. Amen. You have to get rid of the fear. You have to find a church and ministries that really know how to do God stuff. Amen. I mean, you can go play around at the other ones some if you want to. How nice. And maybe they'll grow up. Maybe you'll go back and teach them. I don't know, but we've got to get to a place to realize, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add everything. He will take care of everything. It's not about just a relationship as an infant with Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. Amen. It's about maturing and getting our hearts sanctified. Satan can't do anything to us that he does not own in us. And while we're sitting here being bitter against God, God's sitting there going, I've done everything to set you free. Amen? All right. Hebrews, what was it? 12. Okay. If, if, there's a big if here. That's our part. If you endure discipline, God is done with you as sons. If you don't endure discipline, you have walked away from God trying to help you and cause you to not have to go through what the enemy has planned for you. Let me repeat that for those who like to watch and not attend. If you endure discipline, God is dealing with you as sons. For God is going to discipline his children. If you don't endure discipline, which means you don't have to endure discipline which means you can hide out, keep your stuff, keep your garbage, pretend you're okay with God, but you are making the way for the enemy to really destroy you one day. Amen? And I just want to encourage people, do what you need to do to endure discipline. Amen? Lord, I'm going to endure. I'm, I'm getting healed from where I didn't endure. Come on. I'm not judging, okay? People have been really hurt by people with authority. Amen? Really hurt. But God doesn't let that be an excuse for you to remain hurt. Your way to overcome is to overcome. Just decide, you know what, I'm going. And, and if I don't pick where to go, but go somewhere where they're going to help you get healed, where they're going to help you to endure discipline. Don't go somewhere where you can just hide and have a social club and think anything's going to change. You're not fooling God. Amen? All right. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become sharers, ooh, I can't use this word, then you are illegitimate and you're not sons. All right, so just know that. How many in this place knows you must be, a, um, you must be an authentic son of God because you have had your share of discipline? Amen? Raise your hand. Amen? Right? Has anybody just tiptoe through the tulips? God, I can do anything I want. God never cares. Nothing bad. Life is good. Okay. Not in this church. Amen. We are the people who are authentic sons and daughters of God. We endure discipline. Amen. We're <laughs> like, amen. Furthermore, indeed, we have had fathers of our flesh as correctors. Now, let me just say, and we respected them. 
if you have bought into the cultural lies and your children do not know their fathers and they haven't had fathers who could correct them that they could respect, you need to repent. You need to break that generational curse. You can look back in some cultures and see it came in with what happened in slavery, but quit blaming that because you're a born-again believer and you have the Word of God. Amen? You can also quit blaming our culture. Quit blaming. Um, it's pitiful that we have a governmental system that makes a welfare system that wants to encourage the husbands and wives to split up if you want money. What's the other root of evil? The love of money. You just need to trust God. You need to trust God that you're going to do this God's way and you're not going to let money be something that gets in the way of you letting your children know their father is real and loves them and, can, and, they, and he can correct them and they can respect him. Once again, marry only guys who are born-again believers led of the Holy Spirit. If you want them to be able to correct your children, they, your children together in a way that they can respect them. Amen? Oh my gosh. Doesn't our cult, doesn't our nation have a long way to go in the church? But we're going to get there. Amen. Holy Spirit's going to get us there. We need to repent. We need to ask God for it. So right here, if you did not have a father in the flesh who you could respect them and you knew they corrected you because they loved you, I want you to forgive that father. Remember, they didn't know what they were doing. Okay. So let's just do that while we're here. So everybody watching, anybody listening to this later, if that was your situation, it was not my situation. I'm so thankful for that. Not when it came to a father. But if that was your situation, I just want you to, if you mean this with your heart, just pray it. Heavenly Father, I forgive my father and any authority figures who were supposed to correct me with love in a way that I could respect them so that I could learn to respect you, God. I forgive them. They did not know what they were doing. Lord, I forgive myself if I've ever corrected without love. I should get to heal my children in any way my correction caused them to lose respect for me or for you. And Lord, I put all this in your hands and I thank you. You will turn it to good. All things work together for good. To those who love you and are called to your purpose. Lord, I choose to love you with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength and I'm called to your purpose what you created me for so this promise is for me and I trust you with it in Jesus name amen alright Okay, here's a good one. Remember, we're talking about rebellion. This next one says, Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of our spirit and we live? So say, Heavenly Father, forgive me if I haven't been subjected to you 
and therefore the enemy's trying to kill me. Sickness has tried to get on me. Other kind of things have tried to attack me. Today I come before you, and I subject myself to you, Father, and I shall live. I shall have life in my body, life to my spirit, life to my mind. Lord, I'm going to start living in your life. And the spirit of death, I break its power right now. And I ask you to forgive me for the rebellion. Take it out of my heart, even now, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Whoa. Ho. Woo. For Lord, it says, for decent fathers truly discipline us for a few days, according to things seeming good to them. But God, you do it for our profit in order for us to partake of your holiness. Say, Father God, I want to partake of your holiness. And I thank you for loving me enough to correct me. To bring me into alignment with you and your will. I break the power of vows I've made that no one's going to tell me what to do. I break the power of it now. I break the power of an independent spirit. I break the lie that I don't need anyone. I break the lie that who are you to tell me? Father, I ask you to set me free from these rebellious vows that came when I was hurt by someone in authority. I forgive them, and I ask you, Father, to forgive me. And I come before you, Father, and I submit to your correction. I want to be holy because you're holy. I want to see you. I want to be like you. I want all evil out. And I believe that you are powerful enough to set me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Whoa. Hmm. Woo. Feel this tonight. All discipline for the present indeed does not seem to be joyous, but grievous. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. But afterward, it gives back peaceful fruit of righteousness to the ones having been exercised by it. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm ready for the good fruit. I want peace. I want to be righteous, and I thank you for giving me the grace to walk these trials out and to get to victory in Jesus' name. Then he says, because you can trust him for this, straighten your hands and your enfeebled. In other words, quit acting like poor me. You could point out certain people. Quit acting like poor me. This is what he's saying here. Quit being like, somebody help me, poor me. God loves everybody but me. Why doesn't anybody pray for me? Why doesn't anybody help me? God's saying, cut it out. You haven't endured godly correction. You've let bitterness in your heart. You haven't understood the Father. You don't know how he really operates. You don't know how much he loves you. And because of that, you take a stance He says, cut it out. So say, Lord Jesus, I'm cutting it out. No more pity parties, blaming you, and thinking, poor me. 
Thank you for for forgiving me. Thank you that I'm your daughter or your son. And I'm wonderfully made. And your Holy Spirit can fix all this. And I submit to that in Jesus' name. Make straight tracks for your feet that the lame not be turned aside, but rather healed. He's basically saying, quit doing it the poor me route and begin to rise up and walk the way he has for you to walk and you'll be healed. Pursue peace and holiness with everyone without which no one will see the Lord. So if you're asking to see the Lord and he says you're not going to see him if you're not running after peace and holiness, quit asking to see the Lord. You'll get a counterfeit. He says, eagerly pursue peace. Eagerly pursue peace. What does that mean? Forgive. Do all that you can do to make things right in relationships. Quit blaming them, staying away from them. If you're not eagerly pursuing peace, you'll have to humble yourself to pursue peace. You'll have to let them think what they want to think about you. Oh, this is so painful. Yeah, I could just feel y'all's pain. I can't. It's like... Why don't they do it? Do you want to see them? Cindy gets to see you, Lord. I know she's seen you a couple of times. She's had visions and she's like, she almost acts like she sees you all the time. And what? You want me to pursue peace with him? Do you know what he did? Do you know what she did? Do you know what they said? Do you know how they? <laughs> holy. Well, I'm going to be holy. You mean I can't murmur, complain, grump, gossip? Tell other people what is on my mind. Because if you don't pursue peace and holiness with all, you'll not see the Lord. Watch diligently that not any of you lack from the grace of God. Okay, get this. If you do not call out for God's grace in the things that you're going through, what does it say is going to happen? you'll get a root of bitterness. It takes grace. What is grace? God's supernatural release, so to speak, of his power, of his might, of his wisdom, of everything you need. Grace is everything you need supernaturally coming to you from God to do things his way. So yes, you can humble yourself and forgive. And yes, you can humble yourself and pursue peace. Okay, Pursuing peace is not enabling, poor me, somebody help me. Pursuing peace is even if they never, ever apologize, even if they never, ever get it, your part's going to be clear. What you are doing is led by God, not manipulation, not anything except God. Can I get an amen? Okay. And everybody's like, Shaw. Right now, you're like, oh, you almost feel like y'all already been water hosed down by the Holy Ghost tonight. <laughs> layers, layers are coming off. Amen? And I'm just reading, am I just reading the word? I'm just reading the word. I knew he'd give me a word after that wild weekend. Okay, when it says watch del- diligently, what does that mean? That means this isn't easy. That means you got to really seriously go, I need grace for this. Okay, I need grace. I need grace before I have this conversation. I need grace before I talk to this person. I need grace to go in and make sure we have a great holiday. I need grace to, y'all get what I'm saying? And quit blaming anybody else. Blame, there's no grace in that. 
Look at you. Look at how the devil's trying to take your sound mind. Look at the devil's how he's trying to take your health. Quit focusing on what they did. That's between them and God. The Bible says win them without a word. Not well, after I give you peace of my mind. They don't need a peace of your mind. You need the mind of Christ. And they can't get that from you. They got to get it from Holy Ghost. Watching diligently that not any lack from the grace of God. That means you can lack from walking in God's grace. That means if that person drives by and, and does sign language and blows their horn and you don't ask for grace, you might just find yourself in sin. And how many know we kind of got to do this all the time? How many of we got to forgive? How many, Lord bless them. They must be having a hard day. Lord bless them. I, I've had a few little, um, I don't do really horrible things, but there's been a few, you jerk, when they blow the horn and pass you and jump in front of you and you were going the speed limit. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, that was full of grace. He's convicting me even right now. <laughs> Drove a lot last week. Forgive me, Lord. Like, bless them. Pray. You don't know where they're going. You know what they're doing. You know if they don't know me where they're going. Start asking for grace. Start being the one out there who's releasing grace everywhere. Amen. Well, Lord, just I just ask for grace. Lord, you bless that person. Lord, that they just flew by me and honked their horn and, and made some ugly faces at me. God, thank you, Jesus, that you're going to get them. Lord, get them surrounded by people who know you. Lord, they must really need you. This world will be terrible without you. Oh, Lord. That person on the other side of this gas pump with the music that's straight out from hell. I mean, I never, I didn't know there was such music until I wouldn't have to pump your own gas. I might start going to an expensive gas station. Maybe that'll help, but some of those gas stations I've been going to like, boom, 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 boom. bad word, bad word, bad word, boom, 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 boom. bad, bad, bad word, boom, 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 boom. Too explicit bad word. I wish your rap was so I couldn't understand the bad, bad, bad words you're saying. I'm like, this is like straight X pornography across and loud. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, I'm going to get me a pump or going, Jesus! <laughs> Loves you! Are you like, good gosh, what, no wonder there people are driving fast and acting crazy. Amen? No wonder people are doing crazy, crazy stuff. You sit there and put that in your spirit all day long. You're going you're gonna to be, this is gross, I'm telling you. We're laughing, but the truth is we got a very lawless, horrible culture in the United States of America because of what we decided freedom can go for and what we're trying to say. Can't, don't you dare look at Dr. Seuss, but you can watch all the pornography garbage you want and read as much explicit sexual perversion to our children as you want, but green eggs and ham? We want that damned. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> I mean, they got to be laughing. I'm serious. The devil's got to be laughing. Let's go after Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Let's put this on the bookshelves of the kindergarten classes. What hypocrisy. What unbelievable hypocrisy. Lord, help us. Okay, but I'm not going to get a bit of root about it. <laughs> Watch diligently that not you do not lack from the grace of God. When you lack from the grace of God, when these things are happening, guys, and you're not pursuing peace and holiness, 
a root of bitterness can grow up in you. When you get a root of bitterness, it may crowd in on you and through this defile many. Let me see what Deuteronomy 29.18 says. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Mm. Deuteronomy 28.19, is that what I just said? It says, you shall be cursed when you come in and you shall be cursed when you go out. I don't know why you'd put that in there, but... How many want to not be cursed going in and out? Amen? Amen. We want grace. We want to walk with God. We want to do this His way. Amen? Okay. Listen, keep, man. Watch diligently that not any lack from the grace of God, that no root of bitterness grows up in you, may crowd in on you, and through this many be defiled. The word defiled means... Many be, um, let, me, let me go to the dictionary. Defiled means basically outside of what God's intentions are. But let me just go to Dixter. Webster, not Dixter. Is that still in Hebrew? Huh? I'm back in Hebrews. I'm back in Hebrews uh, 12.5. Okay, the word, so that you aren't defiled. What defiles you? It makes you foul, dirty, unclean, tainted, and debased. To violate the chastity of. To make him pure. Okay, did you get that? So when you let bitterness grow in you. When you let a root of bitterness get into a nation. Amen. Get into your own heart. Get into your family. It defiles many. It makes many foul. Foul means dirty, gross, unclean, stinky, stinky, you know. Just uh, pollute. Violates the chastity of, to make him pure. How many would say our nation, the church has allowed a bit of root, a, a root of bitterness within the church and it has defiled our nation? You have to get rid of bitterness. How many would say what's been going on in the last couple of years in our nation has tried to defile many? where bitterness was being destroyed and people were beginning to trust again and look again for some hope. And the church, the name of Jesus was being spoken out loud again. People were saying Merry Christmas again. And people were coming together and finding that they liked to work with their own hands like the Bible says, amen. And what did the enemy do? He came in as hard as he could to bring bitterness and defile many. But how many know he's not going to win? Amen. Amen. How many knows the truth shall set you free? And there's too many starting to rise up to say, this is gross. We're tired of it. I mean, I'm talking everybody's rising up saying, this is gross. People, we should know that it is so gross to have everybody cursing and cussing and filthy talk, just filthy talk on the regular television, stuff that used to be X-rated. Any kid can find it any time on any TV. You can turn on any radio station. You can't get away from it. Now to find out it's in the public library, or not the public, the school libraries. They have sections in a lot of the schools in the kids. The, little kids, the kids are not allowed to take home or tell their parents what they're reading. I love that everything Satan thought he was doing in 2020 
backfired on him and gave us 2020 vision of what's really going on in our schools, what's going on in politics, what's going on in the voting booths. We have got 2020 vision now of seeing what's really been going on and everybody thought it was the devil. It was God exposing it, getting the parents right where they needed to be with their kids, seeing what's going on, getting people to slow down enough, work at home, begin to see they do have children, they do have a wife or a husband, they do have responsibility. And basically, to be honest, saying to the church, you're unessential if you don't start doing my word. And I'm going to take your lampstand. Amen? We're in the shaking. It's not the devil shaking us. Amen? All right. All right, let's get almost done. Okay. Look. Mm. Watch diligently that you not... not that not any lack from the grace of God, that no root of bitterness growing up may crowd in on you, and through this many be defiled. Remember what it said defiled is. That not any of you be fornicators profane, as Esau who for one meal gave up his birthright. For you know also that afterwards desiring to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, and he found no place of repentance, although seeking it without tears, seeking it out with tears. But you have not drawn near to the mountain being touched. And having been lit with fire into gloom and darkness and temptus, into a sound of a trumpet, into the voice of words, those hearing begged that they would not, that the word not be added to them, for they could not bear the thing and join. Even if a beef touches this mountain, it will be stoned or shot through with a dart. I'm not going to get to all that. Basically, they're saying, mm, before Jesus paid for the pen for their sins, before God made a way for you to see Him as a Father. All they saw was this very, very frightening God who said, if anyone even touches this holy place, it, it'll kill them. And they said, Moses, you go. We don't want to go. They knew we are living in too fearful of a way. Yet some of them could have said, God, I want to go. Help me. I'll take my sandals off. I want to go. Amen. But the truth is they were afraid to get too close to this God. And what God is saying, because of the blood of Jesus, never be afraid to get close to God. Because of the blood of Jesus, you can get as close to God no matter how much you, how much you messed up. There's grace and there's healing and there's forgiveness and there's a daddy God who loves you and only disciplines you for your good. Amen. He only disciplines you to give you peace that passes understanding. He disciplines you to make you holy because he's holy. He disciplines you so you can have a relationship where you can see him and walk with him and hear him and know him and live the life you're supposed to live. Whew. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. He goes, you're not living in the old covenant. You got it better than Moses and those guys. That's what this is saying. So fearful was the thing appearing that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. But you have drawn to near to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to a heavenly Jerusalem, to all of the angels, the gathering, the assembly of the firstborn ones, having been enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just ones who have been perfected, and Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the blood sprinkling, speaking better things than Abel. Basically, we're in the kingdom of God. We've drawn to the same exact kingdom where there's angels, saints who've gone before us, where there's the, the, the spirit beings and all these things. We're just as much a part of that when Holy Spirit comes in us. How cool is that? Watch that you do not refuse the one speaking. For if they did not... Now, this is where people... Get this. Watch that you do not refuse the one speaking. For if, 
These did not escape who refused him, who divinely warned them on earth, much rather we, those turning away from heaven, whose voice spoke the earth then. But now he has promised, yet once I will shake. Okay, this is what's happening now. Yet once I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. Now the words yet once make clear the removal of the things being shaken as having been made so that the things not being shaken may remain. For this reason, receive an unshakable kingdom. Let us have grace by which we may serve God pleasingly with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. This is amazing. This is exactly where we're at in time. We are in that shaking. And what is he saying in that shaking? He's dealing with bitterness. He's dealing with the defile, corruption, and perversion that's in the church. Amen? He knows the world's going to have it. He wants the church to not have it. He is a consuming fire. He is going to deal with this. And what was his answer? Grace. And embracing discipline from God with grace. What's the discipline? I want you to deal with this. I want you to give it to me. I want you to repent of this. God's main discipline is showing us what we need to repent of. And if we don't understand repentance or we're afraid to repent, or we let all these things from our past come up to stop us from repenting, amen, then what the enemy's going to do, he's going to cause us to get into stronger rebellion, which is going to cause us to get into more trouble because the enemy is going to be attacking us. Amen? And God's doing everything he can how many know, as a parent, you want your kid to listen to you the first time? The Bible, there's a scripture that says, if you don't discipline your kids, you hate them. We're in, a, we're in an entire culture now that hate their kids and don't know it. And they prove it by not disciplining them. And when you don't discipline a child, and I'm not talking abuse them, I'm talking about godly discipline. Discipline means we need to do this so they'll understand why they can't do this so that they'll be protected. It doesn't mean you're on my nerves, get out of my face. That means you got something in you that needs to get rid of your nerves and find out what's wrong with your heart. Amen? Did that help anybody? Amen? See, these are the things you have to spend time. You go back over these scriptures and you look at them. You can look at them in the Passion, which talks a little more today but um, sometimes it doesn't quite hit all of it the way I like. I, I would just take some time this week and go back over that and really look at bitterness. If, you, if you're on the mentorship or the partnership, go back on and listen to the teaching that's just on bitterness. Amen? Because bitterness defiles many. And when you look at bitterness, I never saw this connection until, and I'm sure I've saw it at some point when I preached it before. But think about it. What is he saying bitterness does? It causes you to be hooked on pornography. It causes you to have unclean thoughts. It causes immorality. It causes foulness. It causes perversion. It causes what we see all over our culture, and we even see it in the church. Amen? And he's basically saying that the, the answer to that, you've got to go back and deal with this bitterness. Remember, bitterness always goes back to blaming God, and it's probably going to start with somewhere in some lines of authority, and sometimes it's compounded and compounded and compounded that you can't trust anybody. You've got to be in charge. And that's what our retreat ends up being about. Okay? And you've got to go back. So remind me where we're at next Tuesday. Amen? Because I want you to take time to really think about this. I want you to get your notebooks out. I want you to think, where, where have, is there anywhere, Holy Spirit, that I haven't really forgiven? Show me the authorities in my life 
that I rebelled from. And, and if it was just rebellion in me, show me me so I can repent. If I need to make it right with them, if they're still alive, let me do it. Amen. I know I should have got a, I need a worksheet for this, don't I? Um, then you stop and you're like, you tear this stuff apart, guys. Okay, this is God's word, right? The Bible says his word is so sharp, it'll go and divide what's spiritual, what's soulish. You got to deal with both. Amen. But the soulish part you have to deal with. The spirit part he deals with. Amen. So it's like, okay, Lord, show me. Just write a list. Just pray. Spend some time. Put on some worship music. Enjoy letting God set you free. Enjoy God sanctifying you. Amen. And then those who do this next week will line up and pray and see, you know, what happens. Amen. We had a well time. We just had. It's kind of cool that for those who got free at the retreat, now you're getting the scriptures that I didn't preach there because we just didn't do that. And I, I got to tell you, just so you, because I love this. I didn't have any of this planned. All day long, I'm like, Lord, um, kind of give me something for tonight that goes along with what we did at the retreat. I turned to something in Psalms. It had nothing to do with that. I'm like, okay, that's not it. I'm like, then I do this, nothing. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust you when I get there. You're going you're to show me something. And I know there's truth. There's a lot more than just this about it. But to sit up here in front of everybody and try to find it, you know what I'm saying? And so here we get here, and he pops it right in my head, and we're going right at it, and then it's every single thing almost that's key. Bitterness causes what we call independent spirit. That word is not in Scripture. It's rebellion, amen? And it's prideful to come against God when he's so good. So next week, I will get to the Job Scripture, because when I read that Job Scripture, Everybody in here is going to be weeping and crying if your heart's not right towards God. Amen? And you're going to have a reverence fear like you've never known before. All right? Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we have a night every week that we can come out and corporately let your spirit, by his word, disciple us and discipline us and change us. Whew. And Lord, we thank you for the awesome gift of repentance. Jesus, we could not repent if it hadn't been for your blood. And you send in your Holy Spirit. And I want everybody to say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Thank, you thank you for correcting me. Thank you for comforting me. Thank you for never giving up on me. And forgive me for rebelling against your work. Help me, God, to know how to ask for grace, to walk with you through every situation. Now I know that I need your grace to do this. And I ask you, in the name of Jesus, to rip out every bitter root. Get every bit of bitterness out. I trust you to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. Then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.